Hello and welcome to our new uh, parenting series. Uh, we're calling this series Raising Arrows and that's, uh, that's kind of a take or, or based off of uh, the, the text in Psalm 127 which states that children are a blessing and they're like um, arrows uh, in the hands of the warriors sent out. So I hope and pray this series is a blessing to you as a parent and to all of us as families. Uh, so over spring break, uh, I was uh, reading um, about this man named Dietrich Bonhoeffer. I'm not sure if you're familiar with him or not. He's a, a German minister in the time of uh, Hitler and was opposed to Hitler in his different ways. And it's a whole crazy story that would be great for you to read at some point. Um, but anyways, uh, what, I, what interests me as far as with this series goes is I was reading about Bonhoeffer and one day he saw like a Nazi camp and he saw the work they were doing to prepare for their evil ways, for their evil regime. They, they had all these schemes, and they had these plans, and they were working so hard. And he was thinking, man, they're, they're working so hard for this uh, nefarious and evil kingdom. And he, he was inspired at that point to, in a sense, raise up a, a counteroffensive against this culture and, and this regime. And so he started a, a seminary called Finkenwald. And Finkenwald was unique because um, it wasn't just a seminary where you learn things about theology and God that are good and right. It was almost like a theology, a church camp, a monastery um, that was really designed to holistically train up people as a counteroffensive to the devious and evil ways of the Nazi world. And I was inspired because one of my hopes and prayers is that for us in our church, um, and especially you as a parent in your home, that your home would be a little thinking walled, a, a little counteroffensive to the changing ways of the world. So as Bonhoeffer might have looked and saw this camp doing this or that, we have social media where we see the world's doing this, or we have news articles, or we have neighbors, or we hear stories, or we have this or that, where we can see the advancement of the enemy and what the enemy is doing. But my hope is that we don't respond with fear but that we respond with this intentional counteroffensive in our homes. But the truth is, and even as I was inspired over this reading spring break and had these plans for my house and, you know, week one into uh, life and kind of these new rhythms, we were on the struggle bus. We were failing. We were tired. We were not doing these things. And so... Um, it was interesting how that works out. And so, because here, here's what happens. There's, in a sense, what I'm going to argue today, there's two kinds of parenting. There is uh, kingdom parenting, which is parenting our kids in the way of Jesus, that are ourselves walking in his kingdom power and pointing our kids and ushering them into God's kingdom. And there's non-kingdom parenting. And if I'm honest, too many times I find myself kind of walking almost in the rhythms of a non-kingdom parent. So here are the kind of the four D's that I've identified of non-kingdom parenting. First is this D, the D of denial. It's we believe the lie that someone else will disciple our children, that we can avoid regular rhythms and hard conversations, and our kids will just get that from church. That that's the youth minister's job or the kids minister's job or the pastor's job to do this. That if I just bring them to church a few times a month, that will in some way by osmosis um, train them up in the way of Jesus. We deny our responsibility 
and it always has lasting effects. We've seen this through numbers that come the past few years that where, uh, where Scripture and the way of Jesus was not central in the home, those kids walked away. It's because parents have denied their responsibility. And it's as we deny our role, our second D comes, our D, the second D of drift. We deny our role and we drift and live, and live lives that look more like the world than God's kingdom. Listen, when we deny our responsibility, drift is going to happen. Now listen, even when we do not deny our responsibility, drift can happen through life, through being tired, through jobs, through hard times, through getting busy. We just drift away from the intentions that we have. Third D, as we deny, as we drift, we kind of end in defeat. We look up and our kid's 10 years old, and they're doing things we can't believe they're doing, and we think the game is over. We just admit defeat. Full disclosure, this is kind of sports fan that I am, is I'm the fan that like, if our team's down in the first quarter, I'm like, I'm so negative. I'm like, oh, we've lost, it's over. I've just, we have been defeated. And I think too many times in our parenting, we parent the same way. We, 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 we drift, we, we mess up, and we just say we're, we're done. We've lost the battle, we're defeated. Hear this, if there's still life and breath in your child's lungs, the game is not over. There is still work to do. So we cannot live in defeat. Which leads to our, our fourth and last D, and our biggest problem, is dependence. Is we depend on our own willpower. See, in my willpower, I'm always going to push off responsibility to neither. I'm going to naturally drift, and I'm going to live in defeat in my own willpower. Or, or sometimes we depend on secular goals. So instead of depending on our kids becoming like uh, kingdom agents and kids who walk in the way of Jesus, we, we depend on and hope in them going to the right school, uh, making good grades, uh, being popular, uh, doing well in sports or other, other activities, those kinds of things. Denial, drift, defeat, dependence. This is what parenting in, in the world's way looks like. And I'm not saying we're going to walk in perfection over this, but I do we walk in progress over this. So I'll ask, what does parenting look like in God's kingdom? Which leads us to the four R's of kingdom parenting. The first R is this, responsibility. Listen, you can go all the way back to Abraham, and you see this spiritual responsibility on Father Abraham, right? See, in the time of Abraham, there was no, there wasn't the, the Israelites, there wasn't the law, there wasn't the church. There was a father and a mother. So there was no other people to do this. It was on the parents, obviously. And there's this incredible story um, of Abraham and Isaac, um, where God tells Abraham to go and sacrifice his son. If you've not read this story, please go. It's a powerful account of Abraham's faith and a great foreshadowing of Jesus to come. But in this story, there's this unique part where as they're preparing the sacrificial offering to God, this act of worship, the way they fellowshiped with God during this time. Isaac asked his father this. He said, Father, where is the lamb for the offering? And here's what's unique here, is that Isaac, without any church, <laughs> any book, any other mentors, he knew how to worship God. And that's because Abraham, the father, had the responsibility of passing down this to his son Isaac. 
you see this in Deuteronomy 6, where, where Moses is ushering in the people of God, the people of Israel, into the promised land. But the promised land was full of pagan people. And, and Moses was warning him, you're about to enter into this land with all these different distractions and gods. And here's the warning he gave them. Deuteronomy 6, verse 4. Listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These words that I am giving you today are to be in your hearts. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house, when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Bind them as a sign on your hand and let them be a symbol on your forehead. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your city gates. There's this clear warning as they're going out in the midst of this pagan culture. He says, parents, this is your role. And all the different rhythms of life point your kids to this great truth of who God is and how we're called to love him. And now Moses repeats this over and over to these people. In Deuteronomy 11, he says, teach these to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. There is this theme that Moses is imparting on these parents. This is your responsibility. You see this in the book of Proverbs, this great wisdom literature about how to train your child up in the way they should go, how a parent should do that. This goes on to the New Testament as Paul, in, in many of his letters, writes to parents, uh, discipline, teach, and not provoke your kids to anger. Listen, the responsibility on the parent as the primary faith trainer has been the pattern of the Christian church since its inception. But the truth is, in, in, in 2022, things have changed. There is a different culture, a different rhythm and way of life that I think affects this and maybe distorts in our minds our responsibility. You, you think years ago, education was in the home. And so it was more natural for a parent to do this. Now there's many times two parents working. There is this great rise in the modern church of student and kids ministries, which inherently makes a parent feel like they can delegate this to the church. Listen, life is just faster now. We are going, 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 going. There's this rise of kids' activities and extracurricular things they do that, that get us away from this responsibility. But I think at the core of all this is this one key thing that distracts and distorts our responsibility. It's the rise of the secular and the low lowering of the spiritual. What I mean is, in our context, we value the things that we can see. How our kids are doing in sports, our jobs, good grades, these kind of fleshly things that aren't, I'm not saying they're not important, but listen, they're not primary. And, and the things of eternal consequence of sowing seeds, of slowing down and really, as your kid asks questions, engaging and talking, and of owning the responsibility there, those spiritual things have just kind of fallen in importance in this day and age. And I think all of these factors have led to our current reality. We tend to say our kids are growing up in a world that's, that we did not grow up in. And I would agree in, with that. That's, that's very true. But hear this. That's not an out. Listen, the world is different, but I'm not sure it's, it's much darker. Think about the world that uh, God's people with Moses were walking into. It was a pagan world. 
full of pagan gods, or even the context of the early church raising kids in the midst of extreme persecution and suffering. All of those were dark times. Hear this. The issue is not the world around us. The issue is the world inside of us, which is why Moses in Deuteronomy 6 starts with this. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Parents, we are responsible. We heard this phrase in the past that um, as parents, we're called to pastor our church and our home, to pastor our little home. Now, as a pastor, you always are going to invite help and from other voices, second voices, um, but at the end of the day, you're held accountable for your church, right? For, for your home. And, and parents, we will be held in account for how we've discipled and pastored our homes. Uh, Justin Early, who wrote a great uh, book on parenting called The Habits of the Household, I encourage all of you to read it, says this, the most Christian way to think about our households is that they are little schools of love, places where we have one vocation, one calling, to form all who live here into lovers of God and neighbor. But Moses does not just say they're responsible, he also gives them more. You see here in verse 7 through 9, Deuteronomy 6, repeat these to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. What you see here Moses is giving them is our, our second R. That's a rhythm. There is a rhythm to life where this task, this responsibility should be central, the central talking point of the home, the central rhythm of our day-to-day. See, our rhythms, our habits, they teach our kids what is truly important to us. Once again, Justin Early, he says this, There is no escaping habits and formation in the family. We become our habits, and our kids become us. The family, for better or worse, is a formation machine. Listen, the heart almost always follows the habits. Now, I'll tell you, this is where the task of parenting for me can sometimes feel impossible and overwhelming. And this is what, throughout this whole series, next four to five weeks, I want us to focus on is, is establishing these rhythms in the home. And here's why this is so hard. is because rhythms and habits require consistency. And the only thing I am consistent at most things in my life is being inconsistent. And so here's what I want to put in front of us is to not think perfection, but to think progress. To move from once every two weeks to maybe three or, three or four times a week. Not every day. We're going to miss days. But to find these rhythms and become, begin to progress, progress in the rhythms in our home. And here's how we're going to break down these rhythms in this series. And really in our church, talking about parenting. Uh, the first rhythm is the rhythm of milestones, of leveraging milestones, the big milestones in the li- in our kids' lives to help our kids see how God is at work, to leverage those birthdays, to leverage the start of school year, uh, the milestone of baptism, uh, the milestone of turning 13, these big important days or, or going from elementary to middle school. That's, that's a milestone going from a child to a preteen, the way that we change all these milestones, we as a parent, this rhythm of life, we can capitalize on and help point our kids to how God is at work in their lives. Second rhythm for us to work on is the rhythm of time. This is that uh, spending intentional time and pointing our kids to Jesus. That's the drive time. That's the 
that's the bedtime. That's the morning time. That's the dinner time. That's family devotions. It's all these different intentional times that we're spending investing in our kids and sowing seeds of the gospel. So there's milestones, there's times, and last there's moments. There is the good uh, where, where your child hits a home run and they celebrate that they've accomplished something. There's the hard when they failed the class, when they let someone down. This is the moments of discipline where we teach our kids how even in the hard things, God is present. Here is the truth. This is what's so important about this rhythm of moments is we can't prevent the hard from our kids. And I'll tell you this as a parent. You should not prevent the hard from your kids. Many times it's the hard things in life that help our kids learn how good God is. And so it's in those moments, it's in those rhythms that we can help point our kids to Jesus. Milestone, time, and moments. We'll focus on each of these threes over the next few weeks and how we can establish these rhythms in our home. But hear this, parents and friends, if we own our responsibility and we walk in heavy rhythms, healthy rhythms, we'll end up with this third R, which is the results. It's we just find in Psalm 127, kind of the theme of this series. Psalm 127, verse 3 says this. Sons are indeed a heritage from the Lord, an offspring of the Lord. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are the sons born in one's youth. Happy is the man who has filled his quiver with them. They will never be put to shame when they speak with their enemies at the city gate. Here's the context here. This is where kids born into this kingdom, right? The kingdom of God, this kingdom of Israel, they're seen here as an asset of protection. Well, listen, this kingdom is being attacked on all sides, right? But the king is not hiding his kids. He's preparing his kids to be this asset of protection, of physical protection, the hands of an arrow of, a, of this idea of them being... Um, arrows in the hand of a warrior, uh, but also in this mental uh, protection as well, where it says here, they speak with their enemies at the city gate, which speaks to this um, uh, debating or um, trying to figure out a resolution, this kind of back and forth. And so there's, you see this kind of holistic aspect of raising your kids where they are ready for battle in the mental and the physical Kingdom parenting has this result. We, we send our kids out as capable kingdom servants. So we'll call the series Raising Arrows. And my hope and prayer is this, that our perspective changes for our kids, uh, for our children in their future, away from fear and towards intentionally sending. Listen, every arrow is different. Every child is different. And over the next few weeks, we're going to look at a few specific ways that we can do this. A plan for you to spend time and intentionally disciple your teenager as they're entering those really formative years before you send them out. How does it look for you as a parent to be the disciple in their life? How to develop a rite of passage where our kids move from adolescence to adulthood with intentionality and this idea of sending and preparing. 
So we've seen these three R's of responsibility on us as parents, this rhythm of life, and the result is in sending our kids out. But here's the elephant in the room with this fourth R. At the end of the day, as I said earlier, how you know I have these great plans, and then you know week one I'm I'm struggling. Here's the issue: is we are the problem here. We're the problem here. I know it's very inspiring that we constantly fail, but it's just true. Which leads to our last R, which is the reality. And here's the reality: is that you, we, we cannot do this in our own strength. We need God to parent us. So that we can parent our children. I stole that. I love that. We need God to parent us so that we can parent our children. So here are three steps to help you be parented by God. First, walk in his love. Deuteronomy 6, remember it says it starts with love the God, love your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. But first John 4 tells us that we love him. Why? Because he first loved us. So to, the secret to walking in his love is to set our mind through faith on his love for us. And as we receive his love, it empowers us supernaturally to love him. And so as we receive his love and, and return with worship and love to him and walk in that love is this first step to being parented by God is walking in his love. But second, we're to walk in his power. So in our text today in Psalm 127, if you go a few verses up in Psalm 127, one, it says this, unless the Lord builds the house, the builder builds in vain. Friends, we don't build our homes, we sow seed. We sow seeds by walking in his power. It's just John 15, right? That apart from him, we can do nothing. The, the first step for us in parents, as parents is to, by faith, walk in his love, receive his love, remain, abide, walk with him, and then walk in supernatural power. Because something happens as we set our attentions, we set our will, our focus, our hearts, our minds on him. We walk in this newness of life. We walk in his power. So, first, do we walk in his love? Second, we walk in his power. And third, we walk with his people. See, yes, you're the primary faith training your child's life, but also you need the encouragement of God's people for yourself and the second voice in your child's life from other people. That God has put this body together, a foot, a nose, an ear, a knee, a back, a chest, a mouth, all these things that as we walk in his love and he walk in his power, we walk with his people, it's this recipe to be parented by God and then parent and disciple our children. And so that's our hope as even as this church is that we would be the second voice in your child's life, an encouraging voice in your life. So I want to end this time today with just pressing on you for three three, in a sense, recommitments that you'll make as a parent as we, as we start this series. The first recommitment, that you would recommit your role with your kids. Recommit to that responsibility. That in a sense, you know, we do this when we, when we, tell, when we, when we decide to dedicate our kids. We say, okay, I'll be the primary faith trainer, but 
Maybe today you'd recommit to that. You'd recommit to recovenant, to refocus that this is your job and your role. Second, recommit your rhythm of life. I think that's your rhythm of receiving and walking in his love and power with his people, but it's also the rhythm of your home. How you're going to redeem the tribe time, the meal time, how you're going to really leverage these milestones and capture these God moments in your child's life to recommit that rhythm. And third, recommit your relationship to God. That you would walk in his love and his power with his people. Hope today's been encouraging for you. Um, this coming Sunday, we're going to be looking at um, how we can leverage these milestones, especially the milestones of that initial faith step of salvation and baptism. Thanks, guys. See you Sunday.